Welcome to Emerald's Podcast, episode number 126. This is your host, Suman Silwal. If you are still looking for a fall marathon, visit emrons.com to get a 15% discount for 7 Bridges Marathon at Chattanooga. I would like to welcome Billy Richards to Emrons Podcast. Billy, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. It's hot weather here in Alabama. It's still August, early August, so, so it'll be a little dry for the next few weeks and you know our our side part of winter will come in so 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 how's the how's the weather up up north you're from new york area long island tell us about weather over there um it wasn't too bad today probably like uh mid to low 80s uh the past couple weeks it's been in the 90s so it's been it's been a pretty hot summer so far yeah hot is relative for all of us so so definitely you guys probably like way up there <laughs> yeah of course how hot it's hot and humid yesterday was really humid I, i was burning i never felt that way i guess if you work all day in, in air condition and try to run in hot weather and in the evening it just doesn't work so so it's just like counterproductive <laughs> you and i we we ran uh lake martin uh back in march um and you've been running since then or before that and since then you have you have a hefty goal this year and um and and you i cannot believe you're still running 100 mile or uh, week after week <laughs> but uh tell us about your goal let's start from there okay so the goal um you know the beginning of the year like um like late last year i i researched uh, world records um and i wanted to see what the world record was for uh most 100 milers completed within a calendar year And I found um, Ed uh, Eddinghausen's record of forty-one. Uh, so, you know, like late last year, I, I wasn't sure what my goals for the year would be. Yet. Like last year, I was um, heavy into Spartan racing and everything. And um, you know, I had already had a pretty good monthly one uh, hundred mile streak uh, going, where like the last three months of the year, I finished three one hundreds. So I decided, you know, I, I tentatively looked up a ton of races and everything, wrote them all out. And then, you know, I wasn't sure right off the bat if I could do it or if I could even, like, fund it because it's ridiculously expensive. But, um, you know, I, I, had, uh, I had signed up for um, the Frozen H3 in the beginning of January, and I was doing the Beast of Burden the following month. And then I forgot what my race for March was. But, you know, I had already, I had, already had, like, a string of them set up. And, um, you know, I decided um, after I finished the Frozen H3, I was able to get a... Uh, last minute flight deal for uh, the skydive altar down in florida so i knocked that one out and then i found a flight deal for you know uh houston so i was able to get to rocky raccoon and then and then you know i uh, last minute decided to sign up for the lone star 100 and then by the time i got to the fourth one i started to think to myself you know i think i can do this so you know i went out i set up a fundraising link i you know actively went out and tried to get some sponsors and everything and i just i've just been somehow been able to make it work and i've just kept going with it yeah when i saw you at lake martin i believe that was either number eight or nine i'm not sure because i mean that i remember that that race was um an interesting one in particular because uh the day before i flew out i went to uh david goggins's book signing and that started like an eight consecutive week stretch of uh 100 mile finishes that was the race that started the stretch that matched uh david goggins is best you know so it's kind of a little bit of a coincidence because uh, i got to meet him <laughs> the uh before <laughs> definitely yeah you did pretty good at lake martin uh, i was not sure where you were and uh we kind of talked for a little bit and you kind of 
kind of slowly moved yeah. ahead. Uh, and then I, I didn't see you till I heard that you finished and it finished good. So that's excellent. Uh, yeah, you have this big goal of uh, finishing 40, 41, we're breaking the world record. And and um, so far you have finished, what, 22nd, 23rd, 100-mile, correct? Yeah, 23 will be uh, this weekend at uh, Beast of Burden. 23, okay, excellent. That sounds uh, such, a, such a big goal. Uh, before we really move forward to this interview, I just wanted to... Uh, you to give us some brief background or background on, on your journey. Uh, you to talk just a little bit about how you, you got to uh, start this uh, this year's uh, goal. But tell us about uh, your running running journey. And you served in the U.S. Army. Uh, you, you were in the Marine Corps. So so tell us about your journey till the beginning of this year, I guess. Just to give us a brief uh, description of running journey. Okay, well, I was um, I was four years in the Marine Corps, three years in the Army. I uh, I started running races. I was in the Marines from '99 to '03, and then I was in the Army from um, 2009 to 2012. And uh, like right around 2010, while I was still in the military, um, I had a bunch of friends that wanted to do the uh, Fort Bragg birthday uh, 10 miler. So that ended up being my first race. You know, I just kind of ran that just for fun. You know, I was in between training phases, so I didn't really you know like put too much into it, but. Um, after I got done with uh, the training phase following that, because, you know, I was in training for a couple of years. First thing I saw was, um, you know, I saw a marathon. It was uh, that November. It was uh, November of 2010. So I trained up for that. And, um, you know, I, I raced that. And my very first marathon, I actually had a 12-mile road march that was rescheduled for the following day. And I had never ran a marathon before, but I just believed that I can do the two. So, you know, I finished the marathon in about three and a half hours, and the following day, I had to do a 12-mile road march with uh, 45 pounds on my back, and I had to complete it in under three hours. So I was still able to complete the uh, 12-mile road march in, I think, roughly around two hours and 15 minutes. So the funny story behind that is um, I'm probably the first person to ever ever get yelled at in the military for working out too much. (laughs) So, you know, um, we got weighed in with our packs and everything. And um, one of my friends goes to me while the cadre is uh, checking to make sure that the weight that the weight's appropriate. He goes to me, he's like, damn, dude, didn't you just run a marathon yesterday? And then the cadre stops and he's like, well, stop, wait, a half marathon or a full marathon? So I go, uh, a full marathon, sergeant. And then all of a sudden he just ripped into me. Well, what if you would have went down as a heat mm-hmm. casualty? What if this, what if that? You know, but um, that I guess that's kind of like a lead in to like a lot of the um, other stuff that I've done. So after that, I you know I ended up running uh, six more marathons within the next two months, and then I went back in the training. But um, after I got, I didn't really do anything else after that until I got out. And then um, I got out in uh, 2012, 2013. I kicked up the racing again. Uh, but it was mostly like obstacle racing type stuff and like, uh, you know, little like little local races and stuff like that. And then um, 2000, 2014, I um, I got, you know, I got back I got back into like the obstacle racing and stuff like that. But I, I used to I started uh, doing everything with a 45 pound pack just to kind of symbolize the struggles and everything that the military goes through. Now at the pack, uh, you know, before I go any further with that, I don't use that pack for 100 milers, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, and usually like 50k or less, I'll uh, I'll throw on a 45 pound pack and uh, run the race with that. 
you know, I still do to this day, you know, with the exception of this year, just because I've been running the 100 mile races. You know, the following year in 2015 is when I uh, started with the American flag. And uh, 2015 is also when I ran my uh, first ultra marathon outside of ultra distance obstacle races and stuff. I'd already done like World's Toughest Mudder and like, uh, you know, the Spartan Ultra Beast and stuff like that. And uh, also the death race, you know, the death race is uh, Spartan's a little adventure race where, you know, you just do stuff for 48 to 72 hours and they don't tell you when it's over until it's over. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's an interesting race. But um, I got into, um, I was, you know, like my original fitness goals were to be like more of a gym rat, like become like, you know, the strongest person in the world, you know, sort of. So, um, you know, I used to be like heavy in the weight training and everything. And um, one of the things that got me into ultras is uh, beginning of 2015, I um, ruptured my tricep tendon uh, lifting weights. So I sustained, you know, which is a pretty serious injury. And, you know, it kind of put me down for the count because um, I lost use of my arm for a good, you know, five, six months. So, you know, I, was, I got kind of depressed for a little bit. And then I started, uh, you know, I started getting slowly back in the running because I figured, as long, you know, as long as I moved my arm a certain way, I was pretty good. But um, in like that uh, March, you know, I had a few friends that were doing uh, this um, 70K, which is uh, 43 and a half miles on uh, Long Island, and they asked me if I wanted to join them. Um, they had a relay option, but we all did the solo option. So, you know, I decided to get into it, and then, you know, I kind of got hooked on it because, I, you know, I kind of like the way that ultras are run. They're more about strategy and, you know, like getting aid station to aid station, you know, like pacing appropriately. You know, I guess it's kind of like similar to running a mission. So I did that, and then I kind of got hooked into them. And then uh, later on that year, I started uh, running with the American flag and everything. I ran my first 100 miler in um, August of 2015, and it's kind of funny too, though, because it's the same race that I'm going to this weekend, the uh, Beast of Burden. And that'll be your 23rd for the year, correct? Yeah, so it'll be it'll, 23rd for the year, 33rd overall. I had 10 coming into the year. So before this year, the previous high for hundreds in a year I've ever done was four, and that was last year. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so I've made quite a big quite a big jump. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yes yeah the very first um like if you told like after my first 100 miler if you told me i was ever going to do a 100 miler again let alone another 32 of them i would have told you you were crazy <laughs> but um my first 100 miler uh, i finished it but it didn't go so well um i was hauling ass in the beginning um i did the first 25 miles in like about four hours and 20 minutes and then i did the first 50 in 10 hours and two minutes so i was cruising the entire time and i'm sitting there thinking to myself i'm like wow i'm gonna get a sub 24 my very first um 100 miler so at mile 50 i took a i took a quick break you know i eat um beast of burden's very well stocked they had a you know they had pizza at the start finish area so you know grabbed a couple slices of pizza and then i took and then i took a walk and I walked about a mile or so, and all of a sudden I couldn't run anymore. So, you know, I just kind of kept trudging forward, trudging forward. You know, I got to mile 75, and mile 75 I was feeling kind of off, so I decided to lay down. Well, you know, within uh, 10 minutes I was shivering on the ground. Mm. So I wasn't I wasn't sure what was going on. It wasn't really even cold. I think it was still about 80 degrees out, but like my body temperature just dropped dramatically. Race director 
he gave me a set of sweats to wear. So I wore I wore the sweatpants for a little bit, dropped them off at the next aid station in my drop bag. You know, I get to turn around and start coming back. About mile 93, my whole world starts to crash on me. I'm like seeing stars. My legs are com- almost completely seized up. You know, I thought I was done for. But I sat down at the aid station, you know, chilled out for a little bit. You know, they threw a handkerchief. It was starting to get really hot out. They threw a handkerchief on the back of my neck. They stood me up and then, you know, they walked me out to the corner and then I was on my own. So I get to the mile 98 point and you know when mile 98 is at the beast of burden because when you go to the start, when you st- when you start the race, you run a mile out to a drawbridge, cross over a canal and then run a mile back. So at, when you have two miles left of each loop, you can see the finish line across the uh, canal. <laughs> <laughs> so it took me it took me an hour to get the last two miles in. Mm. My legs just shut down completely. My left hip flexor was like the size of a softball. I was pretty much walking on stilts because I couldn't power my own muscles. So I crossed the finish line. And they give me my buckle. I sit down for a little bit. You know, um, they give me some food and everything. Then when I get done, they go to pick me up and I, um, or they, you know, they told me there were some showers in the bathroom and everything. I go to stand up and I couldn't move my legs on my own will. Did you have a crew or pacer? I had a crew indirectly. I ran, I ran the race with one of my friends and his girlfriend was there. So, I mean, I didn't really, you know, ask them for anything, but I just kind of, you know, so I kind of ran on my own. Yeah. They went to pick me up and I just collapsed to the ground. And they put me to a picnic table, tried to stretch me out and everything. But every time they moved my legs, they felt like they were getting stabbed with a bunch of knives. So when the race was over, they threw me yeah, they threw me in the car. We drove seven hours back to Long Island. They carried me to my car. I was still able to drive. I drove back to my driveway, but couldn't get out of the car. So I slept in my own driveway. And then the next day I started throwing uh, status updates on Facebook. I'm like, Hey, I don't know what's going on. I need somebody to, somebody to take me over to the VA hospital. You know, cause there's something wrong here. It's a little bit more than just, uh, you know, like post, uh, you know, post ultra soreness. So they bring me to the hospital and everything. My hip flexor is still the size of a softball. And, um, the doctor comes in and I ask him, you know, I'm like, hey, did I tear tear any muscles? What did I do? Because I can't feel my legs. He's like, well, you didn't exactly tear anything, but you're not going anywhere. We checked your blood levels, and you have a mild case of rhabdomyolysis. So basically, I had uh, ran to the point where my leg muscles started dying. Mm-hmm. And I ended up in the hospital for three days after crossing the finish line until they can... Uh, you know, flush all the waste byproducts out of my uh, bloodstream. And then a couple of days out of the hospital, I decided to run a 5K, do a Tough Mudder, and another 5K in the same day. You knew you were not done, even though you, you had a pretty bad experience coming well, out. Well, I, I didn't get medical, well, I didn't directly get medical clearance to run those three events. Um, I was scheduled to do them already, which I don't recommend anybody do this, by the way. <laughs> but uh, I kept right. asking from doctors until somebody told me to be careful. <laughs> I don't think so we we are ever clear to run any distance like 100 miles no. from any medical professional. My doctor always questions me. He's like, are you sure? This is something you don't want to do. It's like, okay. But definitely, it uh, sounds like such a journey. Uh, so much thing to talk about. Actually, I have millions of questions, but we'll, let's just try to, try to build it from here and um, see where we go. And um, just a lot of question about your journey. Um, you know, you're switching from one sport to the next, and you know, you had a one, 
one passion and then you had to give up for that for for the injuries and then uh, and catch another passion or addiction or however we want to call it so tell yeah. us about how difficult was it for you to switch i mean it sounds like you were pretty much want to do uh your your you know build the strength uh, not the endurance kind of thing so tell us how difficult was that move for you well, it wasn't um i mean it wasn't too it wasn't too difficult of a transition i i had a running background a little bit from the military so i already had the uh endurance base built you know um i typically up until about 2017 even after the um, i've had a couple of surgeries i had my left bicep i had my left tricep tendon and then the uh following year i ruptured my right bicep at a tough mutter so I'm, i mean i've had two surgeries but um yeah up until about 2017 i would like typically like the first couple months of the year i would train for a powerlifting meet and then after the powerlifting meet i would transition back to like an ultra runner so you know 2016 was uh was a hard one um after i it was after my meet and everything it was like the end of may beginning of june i decided to run a 100k and then do a tough mutter the next day and um you know i finished the 100k and then i'm out there for the tough mutter the next day i had a i had a 45 pound pack on for the tough mutter mm-hmm. and i decided to do the uh funky monkey version 2.0 which is a monkey bar monkey bars up to an arm um arms to a swing to a long floating bar and i got to the end of the obstacle and as i was reaching for the platform i felt four pops come out of my bicep and it ripped the tendon right off the bone you know i ended up getting the, the surgery like a week later and you know again going through surgery is never fun but um i just i decided never to never to let it get me down or anything so you know, very next week, uh, before I even got my uh, brace on, well, I still had a hard cast on, I went out and did a five-mile run. And, um, you know, I, I always said, you know, when I had the surgery done, my right arm was down, so I still had a left arm and two legs. <laughs> That's the way I thought of it. So I carried the flag in my left arm, and I still ran. And at the beginning of this five-mile race, I mean, I didn't, like, run all out. I just kind of shuffled around and um during this uh five mile race like right at the starting line a lady came up to me and she she said to me she you know with my you know with the flag and like cast and everything she said to me because of you i no longer know the word meaning of the words i can't and um to this day that that still has like a lot of meaning you know what i'm saying like it just definitely just hit home you know it just kind of gave me like a new perspective on things so you know it was like three weeks out you know i had the surgery and uh three weeks later i did a 50 mile charity run that i was definitely not cleared for (laughs) (laughs) but um even for the 50 mile run i carried the uh flag the entire time on my left arm and um you know i still completed it it was a group run there was four of us it was uh 50 miles from murph uh, Michael Murphy, uh, if you're familiar with his story, he was, um, if you've ever heard the, of uh, Operation Red Wings with, um, you know, it's the same lone survivor story. You know, he didn't survive the mission, but he was um, he was from Long Island. So every year we have a four-mile run around the lake to uh, pay tribute to him. But there's a small group of us that run 50 miles from a um, firehouse he used to hang out in Harlem all the way to Ronkonkoma, which is on Long Island. You know, so I did that like three weeks after surgery. And then that 
spawned a whole bunch of other stuff. I went, I ran around the country uh, thanking police officers. Um, I did that uh, three years ago. And, um, you know, after that, after I returned from that, I ran my uh, second 100-miler, which happened to be the beast of burden again. But the difference between the first and the second one is I learned from my mistakes. And the second one, the weather was a lot more brutal, too. Um, it was much, much hotter. Um, I believe that year out of 62, uh, registered only about 20 of us finished. And with that one, I learned a little bit more to like pace a little bit more slowly. So instead of coming out 10 hours and two minutes, I, uh, for the first half, I did the first half in about 11 and a half hours. And I think I finished a little over 28. The first one, I hit the first half in 10 hours and two minutes, but two minutes, but, uh, finished in 29, 25. One other thing popping in my head is, uh, do you feel like you have uh, this forever endurance, forever desire, or what is it forever motivation to do this? Because apparently before even this year, or this is a huge uh, undertaking you're doing right now, even then before you've been doing this kind of thing for, for a long time, how do you get those desire, motivation, whatever you want to call it, to do all this extreme sports? Are you trying to prove to yourself what kind of motivation uh, is, is? I mean, you know, is there something you're trying to prove? Saying, and I, like you say, uh, you, there's no word to say I can't, but uh, but is there something something you're trying to prove to yourself or community or how, how does that? What, what's what goes in your mind? I think that's what we wanted to. Uh, understand part of it's about testing limits and then uh, the other part is you know i carry the american flag for everything i do so that put you know and i also get a lot of support from the community and everything though so a lot i guess a lot of times like i feel as though like i'm letting everybody down if i don't finish you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so like after a while it kind of became more so like not about myself you know you know because i mean anytime you got people supporting you and like encouraging you and everything you know you you always want to succeed a little bit more so whenever you do uh, this kind of adventure or this kind of challenge do you try to push it more year after year or or you know it looks like the the amount of years recent years you have pushed your limit a lot more yeah. than than the, have you have you reached your limit i mean apparently you haven't yet but no have, not yet i mean yeah. like well th- this year's been like a kind of a unique challenge in its own you know, I've had high points, like the first 15 races of the year, I felt invincible. I don't know exactly what happened, but I either strained or tore my uh, anterior tibialis. It was a little bit worse than the shin splint. I did that at the uh, Bloodroot Ultra. So that knocked me out of um, the Keys 100 and out of the uh, Iowa Backroads 100. So I ended up with a DNF and a DNS there. You know, but after that, I was able to pull myself back together and then you know, the pain in my shin went away. I still have a lump there. So I think I tore something. There's been a couple of low points where, you know, I get there and I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then somehow I magically cross the finish line. <laughs> and uh, you know, I just kind of stumble through the night and everything. And it's like, oh, I'm here. <laughs> but um, And then there's other days where I just feel like a rock star and like I just crush it. You know, it's, um, you know, it's been it's been like a back and forth journey. You know what I'm saying, though? Yeah, um, yeah definitely. I mean, in running 100, when I was in Lake Martin, you know, I went through a lot of ups and downs, back and forth. Yeah. It's, it's never the same the emotions and, you know, desire to quit. <laughs> then you find that sweet spot and then you just keep going. 
I, I want to ask you uh, one more question on, on this uh, more emotional side of this. Uh, I mean, how do you handle like week after week you're you're trying to you, you know you have to go through this hundred mile or suffer fast or a joy of finishing the race, but especially the emotional low low of low from week after week. It takes me a while to bring that back. For you, you have to be prepared. You said you did 22 last weekend. You were ready to go this weekend, 100 mile or uh, this weekend. Tell us, uh, tell us about how do you bounce back? I forget about uh, recovery. I just want to see this. I want to hear your emotional, you know, roller coaster and, and bouncing back. How do you do that? You know, emotionally it's tough. I mean, you just, I don't know. I just, it's one of those things where, like, I'm a firm believer, like in you know, finishing what you started. There, there are days where I really have to force myself to get out there. And then there's also days, you know, like, uh, sometimes it helps. Like if you have a lot of friends at the race, you know, they, they kind of help motivate you a little bit. And then, you know, like, um, there's no better motivator than positive positivity. Like once you get on a roll, you know, like you're motivated and you're in there. Like, um, if you get, it's like, I guess the worst part is like coming off like a DNF, for example, like you got to, you really got to get your head back into the game the next time. But if you start getting like two in a row, three in a row, four in a row, all of a hmm. sudden, you know, like you, you're on a roll, you just keep going, you know? Definitely. Pain and suffering, uh, pain is diff- difficult itself. It takes a couple of days to recover from that pain. Um, at the same time that emo, you know, you have, you, you drain the emotion, you know, it's just so draining, you know, Yeah, <laughs> it's so hard. It definitely isn't easy to recover from. I mean, especially too, cause I still work full time during this whole thing. Hmm. So I'll have, you know, like, um, Lake Martin, for example, as soon as I finished that race, I went straight to the airport and then I flew home and then I had to be up for work on Monday morning. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it's like I would get I would get to the airport. I don't remember exactly how much time I had after Lake Martin because I, you know, like I've done this with uh, tons of other flights. But like usually I'll if I get like if I get to the airport like three four hours early, I'll just find the gate my flight's at and then I'll just like I'll set uh, I'll set my alarm for like about fifteen minutes before it boards and then I'll just like sleep on the floor or at least try to. You know, it depends. I mean, sometimes sometimes I really feel terrible and other times I feel okay. It's weird. <laughs> I mean, there's been a few times where I haven't had any chances to clean up or anything. I mean, I'll swap mm. shoes out, but like I'll walk in, I'll still have like mud on my legs and, you know, I'll, I'll obviously, no matter, even if I change clothes or whatever, you know, you still have that ultra stench. You kind of feel bad for whoever's like sitting next to you on the airplane, but, you know. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, let's talk about this hundred mile journey that you, that you are going through. Uh, tell us about how do you prepare yourself from week after week, going from race to race. Sometimes we hardly have a time to clean, you know, <laughs> do the laundry. Going from the race to race. Uh, uh, tell us about how do you prepare yourself. Well, I mean, I've pretty much got like the packing and stuff down to a science. I mean, it's I, I'll usually just go like three or four shirts, a couple sets of shorts. Really big on socks. Socks, I'll br- I'll always bring extras of that. You know, typically like six or seven sets, depending on how technical the race is, whatever. Usually as soon as I do my laundry, I'll just repack the laundry into my bag. As far as the flag goes, I have the flag on a telescopic pole. So the the pole actually shrinks down to the point where it fits into a carry-on. So, you know, I'll have the flag packed in my bag and everything too. I'm also uh, sponsored by a physical therapy place, uh, Performax. So I usually go to a physical therapist like twice a week. So during the week, I don't really run at all. I just uh, get stretched out and just do, you know, just work more so like mobility and recovery. Um, Right now, I'm still lifting weights in between, though, but I'm not 
hitting it heavy. You know what I'm saying? I'm just doing like a little bit of light maintenance lifting, just trying to maintain what I got. Cause, um, in between events I do personal training, so I still have to kind of look the part of it. I can't really shrink down too, too much, you know? So, I mean, I don't have the, I don't, I don't have the build of a bodybuilder by any means, but you know, I still have to, I still have to maintain like that really athletic look you know what i'm saying like i can't really get too skinny so definitely because uh running week to week and getting recovery continuous uh breakdown and recovery uh, trying to run 100 miles every week and lift weights is like fighting <laughs> a <little> battle <laughs> it's just it's just trying to prevent yourself from getting skinnier and skinnier <laughs> you know it's like it's like slowing down the breakdown process that's all i'm doing right now i'm not even getting stronger Talk about getting stronger and recovery. What kind of food uh, do you eat? You know, you know this is anything and everything. Yeah, okay. I was wondering if you have like a, any special diet. That, you know, this is a big thing. You know, you know, I try to keep the protein up as much as possible, and then I really haven't been like you know like super strict. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, I'll go out and eat pizza and you know stuff like that. But I'm not, I haven't really been counting calories because I go through so many over the weekend. I think I've actually been gaining weight since I've been doing this. Believe it or not. Yeah, yeah, I've been on typical ultra diet, you so, know, cheeseburgers, pizza, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> cheeseburger, pizza, beer. No beer. I don't drink alcohol. Oh, you don't drink alcohol. Okay. I, I haven't drank since like 2016. So. So, so anything in between, the, so beyond alcohol, anything in between food-wise you will eat. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Sounds like you are, you are continuously on the road, too. I guess you had to adjust as you go. So as you travel from the city to city, state to state, town to town, trail system to trail system, what is the difficult part for you? The logistics themselves aren't too difficult. I mean, you know, as long as you get the flights ahead of time. And, you know, I guess the, I guess the hardest part about it is just the financial part, just trying to figure out, like, when to pay for what. I mean, I'm not, like, a millionaire or anything. <laughs> I'm pretty much, like, barely getting by doing this, but I've... So, so still you're doing it. Uh, like you said, you have a sponsor. Also, do you have like crowdfunding, crowdsourcing, something like that? Uh, did you? Yeah, I have, uh, I have a page on uh, DM Life. It's uh, dm.life slash billy100. It's, um, it's sort of like a quest page. It has a tracker. It, um, I update it when I finish each race. It tells you the percentage of uh, that I've completed. And it's also got a fundraising link at the bottom of it. I use that to generate funds. I've been getting a lot of support from the community, which is awesome. I really love it. So definitely we need a link that pays uh, from this uh, so note on mruns.com. So that's what we'll do. So so tell us about uh, w- when you travel uh, from from place to place, uh, you meet people. And, uh, you know, what are the interesting things have you seen throughout your journey? That's, uh, that's uh, you know, a lot of us, we don't get to run this many hundred uh, even in a lifetime, you know, I have barely reached however many years I've run, 100, I have I've gone to only eight so far. So so your experience, you know, you go from the city to city, you know, town to town, trail to trail, like I said earlier. What is the, some of the interesting thing you can give us, uh, you know, tell us uh, some, some good races, bad races. I don't want to do the bad review, but, you know. I haven't really done anything that's that bad. I mean, but it all depends on what your definition of uh, bad is. You know what I'm saying? You know, I had uh, some good races. Um, Antelope Canyon was kind of cool. You run through all the little slot canyons. You run through the desert. You know, you run along the um, ridge line. You know, there's a lot of cool stuff. Uh, Lake Martin. I, I like Lake Martin. Lake Martin was pretty cool. It had a little varying scenery and everything. Um, Hellbender was pretty challenging. Uh, so was Double Top. Double Top is actually pretty brutal. You know, it's a five-loop course, so it's a 520-mile 
loops and um, approximately mile 10 of each loop you have about a mile and a half uh, climb at like a 40% grade so you know like not something you really look forward to every lap but once you get done with it most you know the rest of the race isn't that bad other than like the last two miles of uh, switchbacks per loop Um, what else is there knock on wood was uh five mile loop he did 20 times i mean it wasn't that bad of a course but a lot of times people have difficulty with the multiple laps like that see like someone like me i really don't mind them because um usually i just put a drop bag at the start finish area and then i don't really have to worry about it um the peak bloodroot ultra that's a that's a pretty brutal one it's in uh pittsfield in vermont um infinitus that is another uh another good one it's um a seven mile loop and a uh, 20 mile loop and you do the seven three times and the 24 times so it totals out at 100 sounds like you have a crisscross the country and uh, seen a whole lot of trails um, the keys which i want to go back to i made it to mile 65 on that because i uh, hurt my shin the mm. week before but that's a uh, point to point from uh, key largo to key west and it's the route's just right down highway one so you get to run the entire almost the entire florida keys so that, that that's a pretty cool one that's something i would like to do it's a mostly road correct yeah, it's mostly road. I mean, they take you on like the bike path, but the bike paths are still paved. Mm. So, you know, it's it goes alongside the road. And then um, the hardest part of that race is probably seven mile bridge just mentally. I hit seven mile bridge after after nightfall and it was just like a tunnel of blackness with cars coming at you. Ooh. So, yeah, yeah it's... Yeah, I thought it'd never end. That probably will be a good area to run daytime, but but yeah, th- that's something interesting. Whenever you run these races, are they mostly trail, or you you don't mind to run the road? How does that work? Uh, I prefer the trail because you know after after so many of these things, the impact does start to get to you a little bit. So um, you know, generally like with a road race I'll, or like uh, Badger last weekend, it wasn't really road, but it was like that hard packed dirt where it, where it might as well have been road. Um, it was an awesome race, but at the same time, by the time I was done, both my shins felt like they were going to explode. And um, Beast of Burden is probably going to be a little similar to that this weekend, though, because, I mean, it's crushed limestone, but it's pretty hard packed. Yeah, I, I prefer the trail stuff. The trail has a little bit more give to it. Yeah, it, it's definitely a little bit easier on the joints, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then also, like, usually the trails, yeah, you get the varying terrain, like the ups, the downs, stuff like that, though, so... You're constantly shifting emphasis to like uh, different muscle, different like muscle groups and everything like that, though. So the trails with like a little bit of uh, elevation gain are also a little bit more forgiving in the future. Like uh, you're a little less sore than uh, the races that are completely flat. Doesn't mean they're easier. It just means they're you just finish them faster. Those sometimes are the ones that wreck you the most. Like you feel them until about Thursday, Friday. <laughs> Soreness goes away. You're back out there again. <laughs> <laughs> you're just working too hard for those races i guess i have yeah. i've I realized that uh some of those flat course i, I, played, it, I played it smart with badger though because uh badger it was a it was a really flat course but they managed they gave us 36 hours so that was one that i kind of um, used i probably never heard this before but like as a recovery 100 <laughs> yeah there's such a thing there's no such a thing but yeah like, that's a new term for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it, it, it was a race I probably could have potentially done in under 24 hours, but I took like a full 31 because we had the extra time. So, 
if I run a fast marathon, I cannot keep up. And just after mile 15 or 20, I said, you know, I'm trying to slow down, you know, recovery, whatever. So I'm starting to get a little bit better at kind of pacing it down to the wire because with a goal this big too, though, like um, you can't exactly shoot for a PR every week. No. Otherwise, it wrecks you for the following week. You know, you have to kind of save it for, you know, because there are some of these races are a little bit more difficult than others. That brings yeah. a pretty good question for you. When you go from go from these races, how quickly can you bounce back? You mentioned a little bit about recovery. Tell us about, I mean, what is the difficult part and how do you bounce back from week, you know, last week to this week? What, what is your typical recovery process? For me, if you ask me 100 mile, I, you know... It took me a whole week and yeah, two weeks, like three said, weeks. Um, yeah, generally I just go to the physical therapy appointments. They do like the blading, the electric stim, the uh, stretching, you know, and then I do that for the lower body, upper body. Uh, uh, you know, if I do any cardio during the week, it'll be upper body based. So, you know, like I'll, I'll, I'll weight train and then I'll, um, you know, I do like a, a lot of heavy bag workouts and stuff like that. So I'll, um, I'll do like boxing based stuff just so I leave the lower body alone. Cause I mean, it takes, you know, like, as you say, it takes, it takes a long time to recover, recover from these things. And, and, um, you know, each week I know I'm not getting back to a hundred percent. It's impossible. You know, it's more just, it's just more just sure, sure willpower getting back out there and just keeping on going and going and going. So you're like a, those energized are bunny. So you just have to keep going and going. So I, I get asked this question, uh, how do you finish a hundred miler? And that's what people ask me. The hardest part about a 100 miler is you really have to know yourself. Yeah. Cause everybody's a little different. One of the best pieces of advice I can give anybody is don't pay attention to what anyone else is doing around you. Cause you could have, you could have a guy go come out of the gate too hard and then crash and burn and just not finish. Or you could have a guy that's walking like the first half and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, he just gets a burst of speed and still finishes on you know what i'm saying yeah so like everybody's got a different strategy like it also depends too on the race like you have to you have to kind of know what you're getting yourself into if you're going into like a multi-loop race you got to kind of judge the distance out you know figure out like um how you want to pace each loop if the course is flat usually what i'll do is i'll run a mile walk a minute run a mile walk a minute i'll hold that strategy as long as i can mm-hmm. and um or at least until the 50 mile point and then after Usually with me, though, I'll hold, like, more of an aggressive pace, like, the first 50 miles. I mean, I won't down and out give it everything I got, but I'll I'll pace a little bit more quickly the first 50, and then I'll chip away at the back 50, you know, depending on the race. Like, that's what I'll do with a flat. If you get a flat race where you have 30 hours and you know you have enough time to do that, definitely, I'll do that. But with um anything that's, like, traumatically hilly or, like, a mount- or mountainous, I'll climb the hills and then run the downhills and flats. Unless it's a very steep downhill. Yeah. I mean, that's just strategy. Uh, anytime there's an aid station, I make sure I at least eat something. Then, um, depending on, you know, and all that comes down to like knowing like where the aid stations are ahead of time. Like if you, if you're on a course and you're hitting aid stations, like every 10 miles or so, you know, you want to make sure you're stocked up on water stock, you know, like you're well fed stuff like that. Whereas if you're going to one where you got like an aid station every three to five miles, you could probably like, if you're carrying a water bladder, you could probably get away with um, maybe refilling like every other aid station or eating every other aid station. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of it is like just knowing yourself and like knowing the course ahead of time and what to expect, you know, and like usually most races they'll uh, in detail what the course entails and everything. Definitely. uh, Although some races do have different uh, meanings of the term rolling hills. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. David Toss has a different meaning here in Lake Morton. So and before I ask next question, tell me about your next three races. Uh, one, how, how far are they apart right now? Okay, there are all, all three races are on three consecutive weekends. Okay. So right now, down to the wire, like I have to finish one just about every weekend in order to get this record because I had three DNFs, so that kind of ruined my flow a little bit. Hmm. You know, I'm still I'm still on pace to get 42. I'm currently looking for a, I'm currently trying to get a 43rd one just so I have like a one race buffer. Yeah, my next three, I got the uh, Beast of Burden on Saturday. That's uh, flat. It's on crushed limestone. Then the following weekend I have the Habanero hundred, and uh, that's in uh, that's in Texas. And the it's, sounded uh, like Texas, so <laughs> yeah, it's in, it's in Texas and it's mostly in sand. Hmm. And from what I hear, it's in triple digits temperature wise, so it's going to be interesting. Yeah, still August, so yeah. And then uh, after that, I don't know too much about it yet, but I got uh, Shawnee Hills so, in uh, Southern Illinois. Hmm. I hear it's pretty hilly and it gets pretty hot, so difficult one. I'm not sure yet. So that's the other question I was uh, I was going to ask you. So do you try to look ahead? You know, since you're going week by week. I mean, I'll, I'll usually know like what I'm, you know, like the next month out, but I'll, I won't really come up with an exact plan until, you know, like week of. So like, I mean, the beast of burden, I really didn't have to look into. Like if it's like a hard race, I'm uh, targeting, you know what I'm saying? I'll probably sure. know a little about it a couple of weeks in advance. Whereas if it's something like the beast of burden where I've done it five times before yeah yes, i pretty much know the terrain and everything though so i'll just uh, i won't even like look at it i'll just be like all right this is what i need to do similar question on, on this so if you are uh, thinking about or not thinking about next race dude, for for this week race would you try to see if you will go slower or faster i think you mentioned that you do that once in a while right if you look at next week yeah. see how you want to go so this next race is a race I know well, so I mean, usually, usually when I run it, I'll try to knock the first fifty out in under ten hours. But uh, this time around, I'll probably pull back the throttle a little bit, maybe shoot for uh, twelve to thirteen on the first half, and then like fifteen on the second half, and still come in like around twenty-seven, twenty-eight. Last time I did, I did the winter version of it earlier this year, and uh, when I did the winter version, I think I hit mile fifty at around ten and a half. And then the back half of it, I split it kind of like into two different marathons. So after I did the next 25 miles, I took like an hour break. And then, you know, the last 25 miles, I split that even more. So like mm -hmm. after and a half, I sat down for an hour. And then when I got to the last aid station well, with uh, seven miles left, I sat down for like a half hour and I still finished around, I think that one was 26 and a half-ish. That's pretty so, good. Yeah, um, so I still had plenty of time to spare and I, I kind of took it easy and everything and it kind of helped, helped me recover a little bit more because yeah. um, the week after that I had the the uh, Love It 100 and that was a pretty difficult race. But, um, you know. Yeah, you throwing out all this 100 mile and I'm just like, man. <laughs> I was like, just could run one or two. Maybe once you're done, maybe we'll look through all the schedules and maybe try to fit, fit it one or two. Uh, at least run one more hundred. I would like to run one more hundred before the end of the year, but I don't think that's happening. So, so tell us about uh, when you when you go through go through looking at these races. Are you worried that you're not going to finish? Uh... Usually, the beginning of the race is when I'm paranoid about not finishing okay. them, and then um, by the time I hit the second half of the race, that's when I kind of know like it's like all right i have x amount of time to get you know it's kind of like you you know you got over the hump so now you kind of know what you need mm -hmm. to do to get through the rest of it got there's it. some of them where like i pace tight and i'm i get really nervous about finishing and then i'll still you know then i'll come in like just underneath the oh. uh 
cutoff. You still but, want to finish the official time cutoff. Yeah. So some of our listeners, if you have never run 100, you know, running 100, I mean, it's not a guarantee you're ever going to finish, you know, <laughs> all we can. It's never a guarantee. Yeah. All we, all we can do is show up and keep moving forward. Yeah, you can pace strong all the way up to mile 75, and then all of a sudden, you know, like, things just go wrong, and then you're done. <laughs> yeah. I have friends who, who had to drop out of uh, Western State mile 96. So oh, That's rough. That's heartbreaking. So tell us about, um, I, you mentioned about uh, carrying American flag. Uh, tell us, let's talk about a little bit about that part of the journey. Uh, uh, we, we discussed a lot about running. Uh, tell That's a big part of your running. Tell us about where that idea came from and you, know, you do most of the races. Do you do training run too or just the races only with American uh, flags? It, it, just the races. I don't really do any training runs right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's very yeah, understandable. Yeah. yeah, as far as the American flag goes, I started uh, carrying it as a patriotic gesture and uh, I pretty much do it to honor the, um, you know, to honor our military, law enforcement and first responders. Yeah, you know, so, I mean, that's in a nutshell pretty much why I carry it. And, um, it's not too, too bad. Like, if I'm in an open space, I'll keep the flag unfurled and open the whole time. If I go into the single track areas in the woods, uh, I obviously, I uh, I roll it up so it doesn't catch on any uh, tr- any uh, branches or anything like that. You know, because the last thing I want to do is rip the flag while I'm out there. So, you know, I, uh, I keep the flag pretty well protected. And, um, you know, it does, it does make it a little bit more difficult in some scenarios, like especially uh, like steep uphills and downhills where i don't have two free hands but um for the most part it's not it's, it's not too difficult to carry it's it's a pretty light flagpole it is your standard uh three by five flag though so it's it's pretty big is it heavy for you i mean i saw you carrying that at lake martin i still have that video so is it heavy to carry that flag or not really too bad unless it's a very windy day if it's a windy day, it's like running with a parachute on your back. Is it uncomfortable? And sometimes, you know, running 100, you know, we... Sometimes. <laughs> so definitely, but it's still part of your journey is you have to have this. You have you have to have American flag to carry, correct? Yep. Have, you, have you replaced uh, any since you started this year? Uh, this year, no. So. Um, the current one I've had, I've ran uh, over 300 races with. So mm. I've, I've had it for a while. It is it is starting to get a little faded and a little stained. <laughs> so I'm, I haven't made up my mind yet whether or not I want to replace it at the end of the year. I, th- I think it's the end well, of the year. I say retired, maybe sell for the charity. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll probably I'll probably do something like that. I mean, I'll I'll always run with the flag, but it's kind of strange though because it's kind of special to me. So it'd be hard to let it go. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> Yeah, that's that point because I mean, yeah. you know, after this year's over, you know, I'll probably end up having, I'll probably retire it for a new one. I'm not sure yet. Yeah, it's like a your something to carry you on. It's really a comfy blanket, and you know, those motivation. You know, I think there's a combination of many things you do with that flag, and that that helps you to move forward. That's what I feel. You know, so. after running so many races with it, it just becomes a part of you. You know. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're like a Mr. America with a <laughs> with a flag, so so definitely. Hey, uh, that may be the name we when we have to call you. So, as you travel around the country, uh, when you see people, what kind of reaction do you get from people about your whole journey? You know, it's been a pretty positive one. It's um, you know, it's been most most people I find are uh, inspired by it. I I haven't really received any uh, negative reactions yet, so. 
That's inspirational. I see a picture every week. You're out there, and uh, Lake Martin was what six, eight, six, seven, five, six months ago. So, <laughs> and I've done a hundreds ever since. So, Billy, we talked about so many different aspects of your running, running journey, hundred miler, this year's challenge, and so on. So many different things you're doing, trying to finish this challenge and try to achieve this goal. Before we close this interview, uh, just give us a word of advice uh, to all our listeners. Some of them are ultra runners. Some of them never ran ultra. They're marathoners. Give us them a words of advice uh, about uh, testing your limit, uh, trying that, and see how far you can go. Get yourself inspired and other people inspired along the way. Give us words of advice. I guess the biggest words of advice I can give are just to uh, come in with a game plan. I mean, especially with the 100-mile distances, just kind of ask people what they do. But at the same time, though, like, um, you know, you always want to go in with, like, a pacing plan, a nutrition plan. You know, I mean, it can, it can be loose, too, though. Like, um, you know, like what I do, I don't really count it down to the calorie. I'll just make sure I eat at aid stations and, uh, you know, make sure I stay topped off on water and everything, though. But you always want to come into it with some kind of plan and, you know, kind of know where you're at pace-wise. I mean, that's probably the best advice I can um give to anybody is just to come into it prepared what about testing the limit uh, as far as as far as testing the limit goes just um you know figure out why you know why you want to do it and just remember why you know what i'm saying every time every time you get to the point where you want to stop just remember why you're out there doing it when it comes to pushing your limits it's all mental you know what i'm saying you know like generally generally your uh, mind the mind quits before the body does <laughs> yeah, generally i mean obviously there's other exceptions but for the most part the mind quits before the body like the biggest thing about it though especially with a 100 just put one foot in front of the other and then mm. whatever happens happens <laughs> <laughs> for me it's uh usually what i say is uh, if, if your mind and body quits run you too hard yeah that's a good one too if you want it bad enough, you're gonna you're gonna achieve it. It's always the once you line up, you gotta finish. A lot that. Of, and a lot too, though, is I, I also forget to mention this. Though you just have to believe in yourself. That's the biggest thing. Because the minute you start doubting yourself, then everything just goes down the drain. <laughs> you mentioned that running hundred mile, you doubt so much about yourself. <laughs> Why? Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, you'll start doubting yourself at some point, though. But you know, you just have yeah, to just no. that. Just believe that you're gonna finish. You know, yeah, it's definitely it's, um, sounds like a great words of advice and and more. Thanks for your time and uh, coming talking to us. And uh, good luck this weekend and good luck to many races up ahead. I, you told me that you come into South to do Pinhoti Slam and uh, running Pinhoti also. Yeah, I'm signed up for all three for the Pinhoti Slam. I still have to sign up for the actual Slam itself. But I already did a double top, and then I'm signed up for uh, both um, the Georgia Jewel and Pinhoti. So a lot of listeners here, local listeners, they will be running or volunteering, or it's a trail uh, festival here for us at that time of the year. So yeah, we have Blood Rock. If you want to come, come to run the Blood Rock too. Yeah, yeah, I'm registered for Blood Rock, so I'll be down there for that. Ah, definitely. Then then you will be in our hometown, so we'll have to welcome you. I'll, I'll tell the guys, so so we'll we'll definitely. Uh, so thanks, uh, thanks for your time, and we'll talk more. Maybe when you come down south, we'll have a little chit-chat uh, next time when we see you face-to-face. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Emirates Podcast. Please visit emirates.com to listen to our previous podcast episodes, links to our social media channels, get race photos, get discount codes, and more.